0: Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We're all going to turn to Isaiah 28 to just open up with the text verse. Isaiah 28 verse number 11 for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said this is the ref- this is the rest wherewith he may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing amen and let me just give some verses out uh, let's start over here Linda John 739 John 739 and Mario acts 19 2 acts 19 2. And Vanessa, John 3, verse 8. John 3, verse 8. And Arlene, Acts 2, 1 through 4. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And Angie, Acts 8, 14 through 19. Acts 8, 14 through 19. Sonny, Acts 10, 44 through 48. Acts 10, 44 through 48. Cami. Acts 19, 5 and 6. Acts 19, 5 and 6. And Mary, James 3, verse 3 through 8. James 3, verse 3 through 8. And Terry, 1 Corinthians 14, 18. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. All right. So tonight we're going to, this is lesson three, and there will be be one more lesson next week uh, to finish out the Holy Ghost series. And tonight, lesson three is the Holy Ghost, how do I know I have received it? And we're going to talk, biblically speaking, uh, what the Bible has to say about it, and uh, some very good stuff in here. Um, So our text verse... uh, it's really the only verse in the Old Testament that talks about um, speaking in tongues, actually, um, and, uh, and associates it with the rest of God and the refreshing of God, which the Holy Spirit is associated with throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament. So how can I know for sure that I've received the biblical experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Um, is it an experience that has to be taken totally by faith? Like I just someone told me I have it, or I have it, or you know, you know that's that's one question um, that comes up sometimes. Uh, secondly, is there some sort of a feeling that lets us know we have received it, although we know that we can feel God and uh, just you know, for instance, last Sunday's service was a great uh, move of the Lord and we feel his presence, but is, uh, that feeling, is that, uh, the, uh, uh, the evidence of knowing that we have received the, the Holy Spirit according to the Bible, uh, or, and these are, these are things that I've, uh, uh, heard and talked, and talked about, uh, and read about over the years of, uh, different things, uh, or another uh, question is: Do we automatically receive it when we believe in Jesus as our Savior? Does it just an automatic thing, and uh, kind of going along with taken by faith? Um, so those are questions that kind of come up. So we want to um, just see what the Bible has to say. Uh, let's let's read John seven thirty nine. So this key of the Spirit, Jesus uh, speaking. You know that he metaphorically spoke uh, in verse thirty eight. Uh, that you know out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water uh, which he uh, was talking about the spirit which they that believe on him should receive and, okay so uh believing and receiving really it's a it's kind of a separate experience uh, believing obviously comes first you know we you know believing in faith because you know without believing god we wouldn't even get off square one right we wouldn't even like come to church we wouldn't pray we wouldn't uh, look into this even further Um, and then read acts 19 verse 2 all right so he said unto them have you received the holy ghost since you believed?" now these some of these verses we've we've already heard in previous uh, lessons but just to kind of be reiterated tonight um, so uh, this was Paul coming across some of John the Baptist's disciples, and so he recognized them as believers. But he said, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since your belief?" Uh, letting us know that it's a it's a distinct experience from uh, from believing. Um, so, uh, in other words, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? So, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is an experience that is is part of the overall uh, believing process, but it's clearly separate and distinct from the initial believing experience, and yet, as we talked about previously, um, you know, you know, the what is it was lesson one. Last week was, uh, is it essential? And we answered that question, and so, though it's a separate experience, we understand it is essential, and we are, you know, we want to seek after it and receive it in our lives. Um so there is a consistent and universal evidence that's clearly shown in the Bible uh, to let us know without doubt uh, that we've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, so the, uh, the, uh, you know, our text verse tells us, with stammering lips and another tongue, he'll speak to this people. Uh, and it, it, this is the, refre- the rest. This is the refreshing that he'll cause the weary to rest. And so that's important that we understand that, uh, you know, and Jesus said, come unto me, I'll give you rest, you know, so Jesus is the, you know, going to live inside of us as the Spirit of God, we, we kind of, uh, you know, looked into that, you know, previous uh, lessons, so read John 3, verse 8, this is Jesus talking about, uh, after he talked about being born again, Uh, In chapter, uh, verse 3 and then verse 5. And then he mentions this in verse number 8. with the same context. Okay, thank you. So, I want to read that in the New King James Version. It says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And uh, that's the key. So the wind is... Like, just like rivers of living water is likened under you know the spirit. There's uh, the oil is likened under the spirit. The, the you know there's different things in the Bible that that the spirit's compared to. So he says the wind is invisible like the spirit, and the wind comes and goes and you can't see it, but you can feel it. Right? You can feel the wind blowing on your face, and so but you don't know if it's coming from there, coming from there, coming from there, whatever. And that's the way the spirit is. It's everywhere, and you know it, you you can't see it, but you can feel it, and you can hear the sound of it when it comes in contact with us. There's a sound associated, and he said, "So is everyone born of the spirit?" So that's key. So everyone, meaning you know, it's it's a universal uh, you know experience for everyone. Uh, so now let's look into. Uh, when the church started in Acts chapter two, this is after Jesus died, resurrected, uh, and buried, and rose again, and He ascended up into heaven. Remember, He said that uh, I will not leave you comfortless; I will come to you. And uh, He talked about the Comforter, whom the Father would send in His name. And so, you know, Jesus, you know, left so that He could come back in 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 spirit form, in the Holy Spirit, and uh, the this first wonderful experience uh, that was promised in those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is realized in Acts chapter 2. It was also promised and prophesied about, you know, in, you know, the Spirit would be poured out the book of Joel chapter 2, talked about it. Uh, But let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. This is the first uh, time we read about the actual because the book of acts is the only history book in the new testament so we see the actual happenings and the church you know being born actually on this day of pentecost read verses one through four please all right so here's the 120 there was remember there was 120 people it was including mary the mother of jesus you know the uh, 11 uh, apostles besides judas who you know obviously wasn't there he was dead um, and and uh, you know some of the other women and some of the just the diehard uh, you know followers of Jesus were in that upper room 120 and they they were told to wait until you get the power from on high wait for the promise of the Father so they waited and uh, you know the Bible and history say they waited about seven to ten days in that upper room praying and waiting and then suddenly on the day of Pentecost that fi- that that feast of Pentecost which. Happened uh, basically 50 days after the Passover, and, and Jesus basically was crucified on the, uh, on or near the Passover. So that 50th day, which was you know a feast in the Old Testament, and it was very appropriate that God chose that day because that was the year of Jubilee, because see every seven years there was a Sabbath year, and uh, just like there was Sabbath day every seven days every seventh year they let the land rest. So, if you had that forty acres that you were plowing for and planting for seven year for six years on the seventh year, you couldn't plant that you had to let it rest a year and just you know go over here and you rotated the land and there was all kinds of things that happened on that seventh sabbath year. but then after seven sevens on the fiftieth year uh you know. That was a, a jubilee year, and they let the, the captive, they let the slaves go free. If people had debts, they would forgive debts. They, it, was a, it was a great release and liberty, and God chose a wonderful uh, day that day to, to pour out the Holy Ghost uh, on those 120, which would be the beginning and the birth of that new church. So suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Remember John 3 8. The wind blows where it wants to, so there again, it's you know kind of uh, the same thing, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and then you know tongues appeared, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. They didn't learn it; uh, no, nobody taught them how to do it. Uh, it was as the Spirit gives the utterance, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, it's a miracle, uh, it, it, and it's it's very powerful. And, and I'll tell—I I'll just tell you right now that uh, that's still one of the greatest miracles that God is doing in 2019 is filling people with the Holy Ghost. You know, because it's the greatest. And somebody said, "Well, I think healing cancer is a great miracle." I think so too. You know, and I, I think you know. Uh, you know, a financial miracle coming out of nowhere, like somebody just gets a check in their mailbox and they didn't even expect it, that's a miracle, yeah, that's a fantastic miracle, or God putting together, putting back together a broken relationship, that's a fantastic miracle, but God is doing miracles every day when he fills somebody with the wonderful uh, spirit of God, amen, and that, that is just as miraculous and just as great as somebody being raised from the dead, healed of cancer or anything, it's a great miracle, amen, uh, and so they were all filled and began uh, to speak in a language they didn't, even, they didn't even learn. And then as we go through the book of Acts, we see different uh, uh, happenings, uh, different experiences, uh, 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 occurrences of this uh, taking place. Um, and Acts chapter 8 is a very interesting one. Read Acts eight fourteen through 19. And some of these passages are a little... Uh, lengthy so we appreciate you reading for us okay so so this simon guy um first let's back up a little bit if you read up a little bit before this passage uh philip the evangelist went to samaria and he was preaching and there was great revival and and many people were believing and were baptized but for some reason you know it was kind of a there was no breakthrough in the holy ghost and so they sent Peter and John from headquarters or whatever to go down and, you know, pray for them. And when they, and and this Simon guy, he was one of the ones that, you know, he was formerly like a sorcerer or something, but he, he, he believed the message of Philip and he was baptized. And so he was, you know, with the, with the group there waiting to receive the Holy Ghost. And when Peter and John came and they were laying hands on folks and they began to receive the Holy Ghost, Simon, uh, you know, Said he, yeah, he wanted to buy this gift. He goes, you know, how much? Okay, how much is this going to be? You know, he, you know, he gets his checkbook out. You know, uh, you know what? Do, what do you need? Six figures? What? Wow, this is, you know. And so, though uh, this this is going to be out of the, out of all the passages we're going to read tonight in the Book of Acts, this is the only one that doesn't mention speaking in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost. But we have to understand, uh, and then based on what we're going to read and put it all together, that why is he, he's offering money because something obviously is happening when John and Peter are laying hands on people uh, that are, is amazing, this Simon guy who used to be on the, uh, you know, on the dark side, being like a sorcerer or something. Uh, and, you know, he just said, wow, this is a great gig and I definitely want that. How can I get that, you know? And of course, um, You know, after I didn't read after that, but Peter wasn't uh, less than amused with this uh, statement and said, you know, dude, you know, in modern language, Bible, uh, dude, you're you know, you you are not, uh, you know, in the right frame of mind and heart that, you know, you can't buy God's power and God's gifts or whatever. But something amazing and miraculous that was you know, visible and audible uh, happened to these people when they were laid hands on that this guy wanted to write a check, you know, and, and, uh, and pay for it. So very interesting. So because we're going to, we're basically reading from Acts 2 all the way through of, of actual experiences and occurrences of where people receive the Holy Ghost and what the evidence was Each time. So it just, you know, corroborates each other. If we turn to uh, the book of Acts chapter 10, uh, this is where Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion. So remember, Acts chapter 2, it was all Jewish people in that upper room 120. They were all Jews. Acts chapter 8, Samaritans, which were half Jews, half Gentiles, Gentiles being non Jewish people. And now we're getting to Acts chapter 10, where God is touching every group of people. Because remember, when they received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the first sermon on that day of Pentecost. And we get later in the book of uh, Acts in chapter uh, 2, verse 37. And and, uh, he basically said, you guys crucified the Lord of glory. You didn't know what you were doing. And you guys really messed up. But, you know, God, it was his plan the whole time. And then they were all, you know, pricked in their heart and condemned and convicted. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what you should do. You know, and you heard, you heard us, and you see what we have, and that's what you should do. Amen. And then he said, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and so forth. And, uh, and then it said, you know, this promise is unto you, this promise of the Father, this, this Holy Ghost promise is unto you, and he was pointing at everybody there, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. In other words, everybody can have this. It's not just for an exclusive club or, you know, just the in crowd or just if you, you know, if you can write a check or, you know, this or that. It's for everybody. Amen. And so, uh, and so you know, he said, for, he goes, to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth you know so basically that's kind of how it would follow through it was jerusalem in acts chapter 2 it was samaria which was nearby uh you know judea in acts chapter 8 and now we get to cornelius's house who he was a roman centurion he was non-jewish not samaritan not no jewish blood at all uh, but yet he had a tender heart he was a believer he prayed to God, he gave alms, which means he gave offerings, he he, he was said to have a, have a good heart to contribute to synagogues in the area, uh, and of course churches that were starting to just, you know, pop up because it was a new thing, and so his heart was, was, uh, was good, but he needed God's, you know, salvation, you know, so God told him to send for Peter, and uh, sent an angel to him, and said, you know, your heart... You know your prayers have been, you know, seen before God. Go send for this guy named Peter. He'll tell you words by which you and your house shall be saved. And then Peter came reluctantly because it was Gentiles. Because in the beginning they thought it was just for Jewish people only. But then God had to kind of show the church that hey, no, this is for everybody. <coughs> this is for everybody. And so uh, Peter came to Cornelius' house, and he began to preach. Right in his living room, he had him, him and his family and he had a few of his family members and maybe some, uh, you know, near kin's people that were there in the house. I think there was about, you know, 12 of them or so that were in there, uh, in that house. And uh, and then Peter began to preach to him right there in the house. And then now let's get to where we're going to read our part. Acts 10, 44 through 48. All right, so he's preaching away, right, in the living room. He goes, wow, this is something else. God's sending me to the Gentiles, and this thing's for everybody, and he's preaching, he's telling them about what needs to happen, and it wasn't even time for the altar call. It wasn't time to, okay, let's stand and pray. It was like God just filled these people, right, like right where they were sitting, right, you know, in the love seat and the couch and the lazy boy or whatever they were doing. He just started filling people right on the spot there, and Peter had was not alone. He had, he had a little entourage that came with him. Um, and they were obviously, I think they were Jewish people as well. So he they came and the, because uh, it says they of the circumcision. So they were Jewish people. And uh, uh, they were astonished because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How'd they know? Because they just were smiling real big. I mean, they're, you know. You know, no, I mean, I definitely want to make you smile, but what what was the, what was the thing that let them know that these people got the Holy Ghost right then and there? You know, you know, cause he said, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They, they heard that sound that the wind makes when it comes in contact with people's hearts and minds and souls. Amen. Praise God. Because you know the wind, you know, until you until it whips through the trees, you don't you're not hearing that wind. You're, you know, it's got to be in contact with something. Until it's come whistling through a, a you know cracked window in your house, you know, and then you hear the little whistle and stuff or whatever. It's when the wind comes in contact with things and it starts making noise. And when the Spirit of God comes in contact with us, you know what happens? You know, we we start crying, we start laughing, we start jumping up and down, or you know, and uh, you know, having a little. Fit maybe and just enjoying ourselves and the Lord and all that stuff, and those are all good things because you know we can we can feel the presence of God. But there was one universal you know theme and, and and evidence throughout the Scripture that showed what it was. And then of course you know and then Peter said, well now it's time to fulfill the whole you know gospel plan because remember it's repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, uh, or repent and receive the Holy Ghost. And then hey, can any man forbid water? Let's get baptized. And just just you know being born again a water and spirit uh, after we repent after we believe it's very important to fulfill those things and that's that he commanded them to be baptized in water after they were baptized in the spirit so very very interesting and, and then of course we get to acts chapter 19 and, and we've talked about that quite a bit through this series that that uh, in, you know uh, paul is in ephesus and he finds a group of john the baptist disciples and uh He said, have you, have you received, we already read it. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" And they said, wait, we haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. Or we, you know, we haven't heard it was poured out yet. Or we haven't heard about it or whatever. And he said, well, how are you guys baptized? Well, John baptized us. Oh, well, you guys must not have got the whole message or something. And uh, he, you know, he said, uh, uh, you know, John baptized with water. But he, he, John, remember John talked about the guy that was coming after him who would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire and uh, when they heard that, or I'm, I'm getting all excited. I'm reading your verse. I'm sorry. Acts 19. Who did I give that to? verse five and six? Sorry, Cami. All right. So when they heard this, they got rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid his hands on. So there is a laying out of hands. That's you know that's uh, something that uh, we do. You know we lay hands on when we're praying for people. Remember uh, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe in Mark. Uh, chapter 16 they shall speak with new tongues uh, that's that's one that uh, we didn't even read tonight but that, that's another one mark 16 uh, you know verse 17 and 18 uh, you know these signs will follow them that believe they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so believers can lay hands on other believers or non-believers they shall recover you know if they you know Drink any deadly thing; it won't hurt them, you know. Obviously, accidentally, uh, and they shall speak with new tongues as part of these signs that follow them that believe. Uh, and so, uh, the laying out of hands, especially by the ministry uh, or even fellow believers, to uh, when people come to the altar and we we you know we lay hands on, we pray for them. Uh, so we see that, you know, that John and Peter laid hands on those folks in Samaria in chapter 8, and now Paul laid hands uh, on these folks, and Peter didn't lay hands on anybody, they just got the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10. So it just shows there's different ways God does it, but it's still a, you know, a central theme and a, a universal uh, evidence uh, that comes along with it. Amen. So uh, here's a question. So we've we've talked about speaking in tongues. Why did God choose tongues as the initial and ongoing evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Can anybody answer? There's a few answers to that. Um, That's good. And we're going to read about that in a minute. So that's really good. The tongue is unruly. So the the first thing I would say is God is sovereign, and He can choose. However, you know, like if it was our church and we were God, we, we could choose, you know, what we wanted to choose as as a an evidence. Um, but you know, the one of the second reason. Anybody else have a uh, an idea of what why uh, God chose tongues as the evidence? Okay, so. Uh, it's universal, like I've already said. So, I mean, everybody, whether, you know, you speak in some language, right? Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a universal thing. Um, and it is our main form of expression as human beings. You know, whether you understand somebody or not from another country or culture or whatever. But that's how we, you know, I mean, we could, you know, it depends on, like, you know, if, if, what culture we're from. We use our hands more, you know. You know, okay. You know, what's going on here? I don't know. You know, or whatever. But, you know, that's the form of expression. But, but we, yeah. Mama mia. You know, or whatever. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> praise God. But, uh, <laughs> amen. But, uh, but, but our speech is our, our chiefest and most, uh, our, you know, main form of expression. Is there our communication so that that just makes sense? Uh, another thing is that Jesus told us in uh, I didn't give this out, but if whoever's writing uh, verses down for your notes, Matthew twelve thirty four, Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, you're receiving it in your heart first. I mean, it's going down deep. And then remember, it's rivers of living water. You can't keep it in there. It's just like like a volcano. It's gonna it's gonna come out, you know. And your chief form of expression when we're praising God and we're worshiping God when we receive the Holy Ghost, you know, it it's gonna come out. And uh, and that, that's one thing. And then of course, uh, what Linda said, it is our most unruly member, right? I mean, isn't it the thing that gets, gets I, I, it's the thing that's got me in the most trouble in my life. <laughs> Hands down. I mean, like my pinky toe on the left foot, it doesn't even come close. It, it hasn't hardly got me in any trouble. Other than when I kick it in something, when I'm thinking, I know the layout of things at night, and somebody moves something, and you get up without turning the light on, and then you hit that, then it can give you some trouble. As it just throbs or whatever. But your elbow, you know, your left ear, you haven't given, you know, and they're the trouble that your tongue has. Right? Because it's like, oh, you said it and you can't unsay it. You can't unring a bell. All you have to do is you have to ring it some more and differently or something, you know. Um, but who'd I give? James 3, verse 3 through 8. Wow. Did you, did you realize you had all that right there in your mouth? <laughs> Yeah, you just want to grab a gallon of bleach and throw it down or something. I mean, it's set on fire of hell. It's a deadly poison, unruly evil. Whoa. So, you know, I mean, and and uh, we've tamed the beasts. We've, you know, we've got the zoos and the sea world. and We got every, you know, Shamu's jumping for a big pot of fish. And so, but we can't tame the tongue, right? Uh, there's something about it, but. When we give ourselves to God, you know, sometimes the last thing that goes is the tongue because, you know, it's circling the wagons and it's the last one because it's stubborn or whatever. But that's why when we go back to that Isaiah scripture in twenty-eight, eleven says it was stammering lips and another. Sometimes when you're in, in the presence of God, you know, uh, you're you know, you're you're uh, things just start shaking and baking and, and powerful and. And, you know, you you know, it it, even, you know, because remember on the day of Pentecost, they came stumbling down the staircase and um, Peter had to tell the assembled crowd that had come to hear what was going on. These are not drunk like you think, but they are kind of drunk on something, but it's not what you think because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Come on. I mean, it's too early to do that, but they were drunk on the spirit and they were stumbling down, amen. And so, you know, what happens when you get drunk? Your speech is slurred. Hey, get out of the way. You know, hey, let let a guy through here. You know, or whatever. I, I don't know. It's been a long time, so um, I just wasn't remembering from my young days or whatever. But uh, you know, things happen. You know, and God wants when he when we give him everything, he'll he'll take everything, and uh, is powerful. So. Um, so, you know, he, he said, you know, horses, uh, big old huge horse, we can move them around by this metal bit in their mouth. You know, we just pull on that and then, okay, I guess we're going this way. Cause I don't want that thing or go over there or huge ships. It's a little rudder, you know, compared to the whole size of the ship with a little, you know, steering wheel or whatever is, is turning that whole ship around. And so he's showing you, The difference in size, you know, the tongue is the little one of the littlest members of our body, but gives us the the most trouble sometimes. So that's probably one of the main reasons God shows this evidence uh, to show because when we, you know, give it all to God, this will, uh, you know, uh, this will happen Uh, and will let us be a clear evidence. And just like we see in the scriptures that we've read in the Book of Acts. Our last verse tonight, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. All right. So this is Apostle Paul. He just said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. You can also look at that and say, you know, hey, you know, we, I, I, we he, he was basically saying, you know, hey, we all speak in tongues, but I thank God I speak in tongues even more than all of you. Um, and. So these are just uh, uh, you know, several proof texts showing about this wonderful experience. So next week is the last week, uh, and what we're going to talk about is because we read about a gift of tongues and interpretation, and, and we want to uh, say find out like what does what that have to do with what we're talking about tonight? Is it the same thing? Uh, because, you know, how many have heard people speak in tongues, but, uh, you know, just in worship and prayer or whatever, but there's no interpretation. It's like, Hey, what's going on here? Something's, you know, but so we're going to, we want to talk about that. Cause that's logically the last, you know, uh, step that we're going to, uh, finish up this series next week and talk about that. So, uh, before we dismiss, is there any questions? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.